Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, happy Australia Day, the faithful remnant. It's good to see you here, um, and it's awesome to be here on our most likely last Sunday ever at Normanhurst Boys High School. Isn't that isn't that crazy? I mean, it, it feels like only the other day that I can remember, even before our first service, there was a uh, maybe a handful of us, maybe 15, 20 people gathered here. We didn't have any lights or anything. It was just a school hall and praying and praying for this, for this church before our first Sunday. And, and look, look what God's done for us. Isn't that awesome, his kindness? Uh, this is also the last message in our, in our uh, Summer Psalms series. And today, uh, contrary to your bulletins, we're going to be looking at Psalm 46. So if you have your Bibles... And grab those and, and open them up. Psalm 46 we're looking at. And with a lot of change, I guess, afoot uh, for us in 2014, I think it's great to be looking at this psalm because Psalm 46 is a psalm that's all about trust. And um, for me, it's been a really special psalm for me this week. Um, for me this week, I've needed to hear this psalm on multiple occasions. And so... I'm really glad to be uh, up here and opening up for you. So Psalm 46, why don't I read and um, then we'll pray and ask God for help. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, We will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning and we ask you to perform a miracle. Would you help hardened hearts like mine 
to see the beauty of who you are. To see you rightly as you are. Mighty fortress. God in whom we can trust. Lord, I pray that you would do this by the power of your spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was 1.58 a.m. on Sunday, the 26th of December, 2004. That's Australian time, Sydney time. 160 kilometers off the coast of Aceh at a depth of 30 kilometers beneath the ocean. A massive megathrust earthquake took place. This earthquake was the third biggest earthquake ever recorded in human history. Measuring approximately 9.1 to 9.3 on the Richter scale, it caused the whole earth to shake one centimeter on its axis. This earthquake, this megathrust earthquake, released energy equivalent to 550 million times the energy released with the Hiroshima bomb. A massive megathrust earthquake causing a tiny wave, only 60 centimetres roughly in height, to fly away from its epicentre at a speed of about 800 kilometres per hour. The wave travelled and travelled and travelled that 160 kilometres until it reached the coast of Aceh, North Sumatra, Indonesia. And as it hit the coastline, it reared up to a wave averaging 24 metres in height, maxing at 30 metres in height, 10 storeys high of water. And the devastation was immense, like nothing we've seen in this generation. 230 to 280,000 people worldwide killed in an instant is our best guess. In Arche itself, approximately 170,000 people. Um, I've got a photo up on the screen. I, as many of you know, spent two years um, living in this place. And this is a picture of a place where I actually like to go to the ocean shortly after the uh, tsunami, a place called Lampu'u. And it's a beautiful coastline. And this was a thriving mini metropolis before the wave hit. And there's been no clean-up or removing of debris, but the wave came and took the whole township away, leaving only this mosque, nothing else. Massive destruction, a massive human catastrophe. Well, for many of us, we may not have experienced a natural disaster like this, but we do experience waves of a different type closer to home, don't we? The diagnosis of cancer. It's a wave. The passing of a loved one. Wave. The miscarriage. The car crash. The chronic illness. Your spouse leaves. The child who walks away from the faith. 
the friend who rejects you, the job that you lose. You know, the Bible says that suffering for the Christian isn't a question of if, it's a question of when. All those who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution, but even more than that, Romans says, if we will receive the heritage we receive in Christ first, we must suffer with him. Waves in our lives. The question I have for us to think about this morning is, is this, is when that wave hits you, where will you turn? When that wave comes crashing into your life, where will you turn? Well, this message I've entitled, God is our refuge. And um, it's got three simple points our refuge, our king, our victor, and really just one hope. And the hope for this morning is that you would see that there's only one true refuge from the storm, and that's Yahweh, our God, just one true refuge when that wave comes, and that's Yahweh, our God. So open your Bibles up, and uh, let's start with that first point, our refuge. Just as a way of context, this psalm, Psalm 46, comes in the second book of the psalms. Um, before this psalm, we have a, it's a royal wedding psalm. And after this psalm, following in, in Psalm 47, we have a, a, a song of praise. And so here, Psalm 46 lies right in between. It's a, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. And it's probably, uh, it, it says according to the Alamoth, which is our best guess is a musical instrument. And it's song. It's meant to be sung. Originally, its original hearers would have sung it. And it's divided into three distinct verses that are clearly separated by this word in Hebrew, salah. And salah means, literally, it means like lifted up. And uh, it's probably, probably the closest thing that uh, comes to in Hebrew to, I guess, something like uh, guitar solo. You know, like lifted up guitar solo or maybe more uh, contextually like harp solo, I guess, or something, or lyre solo, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so when you see that little word salah, I just think guitar solo, um, because it's a song. So let's get stuck into the first, the first verse of our song, uh, Psalm 46, and read with me uh, verse 1. God is our refuge. Refuge means a safe place, a place of safety, a place of protection. I mean, we hear all the time on the news, don't we, about refugees, about uh, waves of people coming by boats and braving the sea to come here to Australia. Refugees. A refugee is someone who's looking for refuge, who's someone who's fleeing from some situation and looking for a place of safety. And I guess for many, many refugees, they see Australia as that refuge. So when you read refuge, think a safe place. Or read on, God is our refuge and strength. You could think of that as strong refuge. Refuge, a safe place. A strong safe place. In verses 7 and 11, it talks about a fortress. A high place protected and shielded by a great wall. 
And the psalmist is right here and he's saying, you know what? God is like this. This is what your God is like. A safe place, a refuge, a fortress, a place you can go to without any care or concern from being injured or hurt. Safety. A refuge. When I think about a refuge or a fortress, you know, for me, um, being a closet, or I guess I've said this a few times, nerd, right? Uh, I guess it's not so closet anymore, but um, like I just think Lord of the Rings, like there's that there's that city called Minas Tirith, which is like the the, the big home of, of men, that white city, and you know, in uh, Peter Jackson's version of uh, Lord of the Rings, it's got like like seven layers. You know, up to it, towards the top with that right pinnacle at the top, the castle that sits at the very top of the city. And that's what we're talking about here. A fortress, a refuge, a safe place. But it's more than that. Just let's read on. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Maybe more literally, a help in trouble, readily available. So it's not just that God is like some inanimate fortress, like a wall. If you go inside or you're with him, you're safe. It's even more than that. He's a help that's readily available in trouble. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 2. Therefore... Therefore, very important. Because of this, therefore. Therefore, we will not. We will never fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. This is a picture of a massive earthquake, the ground rumbling and shaking and a mountain collapsing. It's so strong. Big, massive boulders falling as the mountain collapses into the ocean. This is like a huge earthquake. You know, when I was uh, living in Indonesia, I was, um, I was living in a place, a part of Indonesia called Bandung, and I, I experienced that earthquake. It, was, it wasn't anywhere near as big as the one in Aceh. It was only 7.1 on the Richter scale. Um, and I was inside this village staying at the top of someone's house when this earthquake hit. And I, I can describe it to you. It was just like this massive boom. It sounded like there was an explosion. And the whole floor starts shaking and shaking. And in that moment, you don't know what's going on. You're just confused. There's people in the houses around me start screaming out, going, get out, get out, get out, everyone, get out. So I run downstairs. It's like a fish tank. And like the water is coming out of the fish tank because it's like the ground is shaking and things are splashing. And we're trying to grab everyone. And we stand outside and the earth is still shaking under your feet. And it's just like suddenly it's over. But the thing about earthquakes is, and the thing that that I think is such a powerful image that the psalmist is trying to give us here, is the earth, it's like the one thing that you take for granted, isn't it? It's like the one thing that's reliable. It's like the one thing that we assume will never change. And the psalmist here says, you know, even if, therefore, even if there's an earthquake so strong that the mountains collapse and fall into the sea, we we, we won't fear. Well, let's read on verse 3. 
Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. That's that word swelling. It's like raising up of the water. A sharp raising up. It's like it's meant to be a tsunami. And the picture here is this. The water's foaming and roaring and raising up. A massive tsunami slamming into a mountain. And the mountain shaking. And the psalmist says, even if this again happens... God is still a refuge. God is still our strength. God is still a very present help, even in trouble. And the point is this. It's even if the whole earth is thrown into chaos, there's no need to fear. Still a refuge. Still a fortress. Well, you might be sitting here and thinking, serious? I mean, no need to fear? Are you serious? There's a whole bunch of reasons to fear. I mean, I'm getting old. I'm financially vulnerable. I've nothing of a career. I'm lonely. I'm sick and in pain. And I'll lose that friendship or loved one or job or respect or house or car or holiday. What do you what do you mean? There's 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 no reason to fear. I should not fear, I'll never fear. Well to answer that question, I think we need to move on to our second point, which is our king. Why don't you read with me uh, verse four? Verse four. There is a river whose streams Make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. So it's this picture of this city and of God with this like stream like flowing out of it. Um, it's this beautiful image of a city with God in the center and this is like a stream flowing through. But the issue is Jerusalem's never had a stream. I mean, not Ancient Jerusalem, not current Jerusalem, there's never been a stream. Well, well what, what do you mean then, this city of God with a stream flowing through it? Where, where else do we see that in the Bible? And the answer is in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 1, uh, 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, 10, sorry, uh, the writer writes about the Garden of Eden and, and in the center of this beautiful garden there's a stream flowing out of it and the, the, the stream that flows out like nourishes the land around it and it splits into four and divides and goes through. And so, and so the picture that the psalmist is, 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 is building here is of this beautiful garden city. Like this city that's full of fertility and goodness. And so this stream flows through the city and makes glad the people. It doesn't just flow through the city like just another feature of the city. No, the very streams itself as it flows through the city makes the people within rejoice. Well, let's keep reading. God is in the midst of her, verse 5. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. This is the city where God himself lives. 
And because of this, it's never going to be moved. Unlike the mountains. God will help her in the morning, dawn. That word morning dawn, what's that all about? Morning dawn is the time when if you're going to invade someone, launch an attack, that's when you do it. The morning dawn. First light. And so the psalmist is saying, when our enemies attack, we don't have any reason, reason to fear because God will help us in the morning dawn. But yet again, we're, we're talking about this, this city. And if we think about this, the city of God, otherwise in the Bible we often talk about Jerusalem when we think of the city of God. Jerusalem's been destroyed twice. In 586 BC, Babylonians came and destroyed that place, took everyone into exile, destroyed the temple. Then again in AD 70, after Jesus had already died and, and, and been raised to life with the Father, the Romans came through and just demolished the place. And I mean, it was uninhabited for a year. What is this city like? What are we, what are we talking about? Well, to answer it, we need to turn, I think, to the very end of our Bibles, um, to the book of Revelation, Revelation uh, chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Revelation chapter 22. And I just want to read a few verses about this city. Then the angel, it says, 22 verse 1, showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. This is a picture of the new Jerusalem. This is the picture of a city with God in the center and streams flowing from the throne of God and nourishing the people and nourishing the nations. It's a picture of God's care of his people, isn't it? A picture that will be fully realized in the new Jerusalem, a city that will never be destroyed. Well, let's read on. Verse 6 from Psalm 46. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. We've got this picture of kingdoms and all these nations outside of the city in uproar. They're crying out, shaking their fists at this kingdom and people of God, hissing and foaming and throffing. And it's interesting because the words that are used here are exactly like the words that have been used in verses 2 and 3. The nation's rage, that word rage in Hebrew is the same as the waters roar. The kingdom's totter or shake 
It's the same word that's used as mountains are moved. What's he trying to say here? The psalmist is saying, it doesn't matter if the earth is thrown into chaos or the people are shaking their fists and frothing. God still reigns. God is still a refuge. God is still sovereign. He's still a very present help for us when we're in need. How is this the case? Well, the main point, verse 7. Let's read it one more, one more time. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is with us, he says. That's why we don't need to be afraid. God is with us. The Lord of hosts, Yahweh of armies, the Lord who is sovereign over all armies and all people, is with, he's with us. The whole Lord of the universe is with us, and so we're protected. Because he's our strength. And the truth is, How much more is he with us today through the person and work of his son Jesus? How much more? You know, in Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah writes, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will bear a child and conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us God with us and that that's exactly what he's done coming as a child to be God himself to be born as a man for us to live a perfect life you know Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 he says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin. He made him perfect lamb of God for us. To pay that price on that cross in full. So that now for all who trust in him. The Holy Spirit. Union with Christ. Joined to him the Holy Spirit. Our sins washed away. Now able to be joined once and for all to him. More than that, more than just joy, now clothed. Surrounded by clothed in his righteousness. God surrounds us. He's in us. He's around us. He's with us. I mean, how much more for us is he a refuge and strength? He intercedes for us, Hebrews says, like a great high priest, speaking on our behalf before the throne of God. I mean, just... Just pause for a moment. I mean, look around you. We're gathered here together, sitting at church on Australia Day, but the Holy Spirit of the risen Jesus Christ is right here. Even though you can't see him, he's right here in this moment with us. With each of us. And what, what do we have to fear? What should we be afraid of if the Holy Spirit 
That same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is right here in this room at this moment. Name it. What what should we be afraid of? We will not fear because our king is enthroned amongst his people. That's the second point. Well, third point, our victor. It's more than just like a king who reigns over a city and is otherwise idle and impotent. That's more. He's so much more than that. No, he is working actively in this world. He is our victor. I I got the name Victor from uh, a famous series of novels, and many of you I know know The Hunger Games, um, which I was watching the other day, and I love it. Um, The Hunger Games is all about oppression, isn't it? This dictatorship with a wealthy ruling class that, that oppresses the poor, and they've divided this nation uh, into 13 different districts. And each year, as a way of generating fear and to cause control, they, they pick two people, a boy and a girl, from each of the districts and clump them together and force them to fight each other until there's only one left. And that one remaining person that's left is the victor. And... As we read this last verse, I think we'll see that God describes himself as victor. He will be the last one standing. So open your Bibles again and let's just read once more that verse, verse 8 with me. The psalmist says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. There's only one use in the whole Bible for this word desolations. It means this. It means the horrific result of judgment. It means absolute destruction, desolation. The the psalmist writes and he says, come and see how God has brought desolations on the earth. Horrific destruction. Verse 9. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. He is actively fighting in wars all around the world, bringing them to an end. He is actively involved in destroying his enemies. This is the Lord of armies, Yahweh of hosts. Now with, read with me probably the most famous verse of this psalm, verse 10. And this is now God speaking. God says this. He says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Literally, he says, stop. Cease and know that I am God. He says to the nations outside that are shaking their fists, that are roaring and foaming against him, he says, stop. Why are you fighting in vain? Why are you warring against me? 
Well, I think, in fact, as we look at this first verse, God is addressing two people. The first one I've alluded to, those outside the city. God says to the nations that are fighting, he says, give up. You've lost. Be still. Stop your fighting and know that I'm God. I'm God. I'm your creator. I'm the one who made you. Your fighting against me is in vain. What will you do, my, my creation, against your creator? Be still. I think if you're sitting here this morning and you're not a Christian, or if you're sitting here this morning and you're running from God. God in this moment is addressing you. He's saying, stop. He's saying, why, why are you fighting? Be still. Know that I'm God. Verse 10b, he says to you, I will be exalted among the nations. He says, I will be exalted on the earth. He says, my mission and my plan to lift my name up above this earth and this people will happen. It promises I will be exalted. Be still. Stop. Know that I'm your God. If you're sitting here and you don't know Christ, Christ is calling you this morning to repent and trust. He's calling you to put your trust in him. To stop the running. It's futile. It will only end in your destruction. And to turn and trust and receive the free gift of his son. I think there's a second group of people that God is addressing as he speaks. And that is his people. And he's saying to his people, also, cease, stop, trust in the God who is with you and who fights for you. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we can be fearful and striving and anxious and frothing and roaring like that ocean as well, can't we? Failing to trust in our good and sovereign God. And I think God is speaking to us just like Jesus did in, in Mark chapter 4, 36 from the boat. When he's in his boat sleeping in the midst of a wild sea and his disciples come to him and they say, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to perish? And Jesus wakes up and he stands before the raging seas and he says, Peace. Be still and calms the seas. And I think just like those anxious disciples and just like that raging sea, we can be anxious and frothing and roaring, even as Christians. And God would say to us, don't strive. It's my work. I will be exalted on the earth. I will be exalted among the nations. Trust in me. I just want to read uh, to us this morning a quote from 
from uh, Paul Tripp, who's talking about this very issue of trusting in God and, and making him our refuge. Paul Tripp, uh, from his book Dangerous Calling, writes this. He says, In the middle of trouble, when you are in the heat of battle, you will run somewhere for refuge. You will run somewhere for rest, comfort, peace, encouragement, wisdom, healing, and strength. There is only one place to run where true protection, rest, and strength can be found. You and I must learn in life and in ministry to make the Lord our refuge. Perhaps in trouble you run to other people, hoping that they can be your personal Messiah. Perhaps you run to entertainment, hoping to numb your troubles away. Maybe you run to a substance, trying to your best to turn off the pain. Maybe you are tempted to run to food or sex, fighting pain with pleasure. Since none of these things can provide the refuge that you, that you seek, putting your hope there tends only to add disappointment to the trouble you're already experiencing. God really is your refuge and strength. Only he rules every location where your trouble exists. Only he controls all the relationships in which disappointment will rear its head. Only he has the power to rescue and deliver you. Only he has the grace you need to face what you are facing. Only he holds the wisdom that in trouble you so desperately need. Only he is in, with, and for you at all times. He is the refuge of refuges. Do you run to him? You know, friends, I think Paul is so right. God is really our own one and true refuge. He's the only one that we can really trust and turn to in that time of need. And so the psalmist says again, he says it, in fact, he says it twice. He wants you to know it's so bad. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, because of the cross, if you're trusting in Jesus, your story will not end with trouble and strife. That won't be the end of your story. No, your story will end with a new Jerusalem and a home waiting for you. And so, you know, I I just want for us, I just want to call us this morning. Let's radically turn our lives to find a refuge in him. You know, not in relationships. No, there's no refuge there. Not in property or work or holidays or career in him and him alone. Let's make our refuge him. Let's live to exalt his name on earth. Let's live to exalt his name among the nations. He is victor. He is the last one standing. He is with us. He will be exalted. To make God your refuge is to trust him with every aspect of your life. When closing, when the wave hits, where will you turn? I hope that you've seen this morning that there is only one true refuge from the storm and that's Yahweh our God. And that he is refuge. And that he is king. And that he is victor. Let's pray.
Oh Lord, my soul finds rest in God alone. Lord, I just, I, just, I just pray for us this morning, Lord. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to make our refuge in you, Lord. In our time of need, Lord, when the wave strikes, may we turn in trust to you and rest, knowing that we have a fortress that is impenetrable. We have a city that is everlasting. We have a God who is enthroned on high and is with us and is for us and pours out grace to us. No matter what the circumstance, the earth may shake, the mountains may fall, but he is with us, Lord. Our friends may turn, the nations may rage, but God is our strength always and forevermore. Lord, fill us with faith to believe in your promises, Lord. Grant us to reorientate our lives around you as our refuge, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone who is in the midst of a wave, Lord. May they know your nearness. Lord, may they know that you are a refuge, Lord. May they experience, Lord, this morning your tender care. May they experience the ministering of your helper, your spirit, our comforter. Lord, and would you this morning fill us with faith to trust you and join in your work, lifting your name up on high, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.